I kept telling myself over and over again, don't do anything stupid. It was 20th of April 1981 and I was sitting high up in the dark recesses of the Crucible Theatre in Sheffield, watching the final of the World Snooker Championships unfold below. Steve Davis was playing in his first world final against Doug Mountjoy. In truth, there wasn't much tension in that famous auditorium. Steve was in cruise control, leading 17 frames to 12. Needing one more frame to win, he was in among the balls. Victory was inevitable. Yet I was trembling. My heart was racing. I felt light-headed, woozy. That was because I knew, age 32, that my world was about to be turned crazy that all I craved would soon be within my grasp. Five years earlier, when I ran a chain of snooker halls around London with a few other irons in the fire, Steve, aged 18, had walked into my Romford snooker hall, walked into my life. It took a while for me to realise that the gawky youngster with long ginger hair and a dubious sweater might be a truly great player. It took longer for us to get to know and trust each other so much that we were not bound together as manager and player, but as brothers in arms with a shared dream. We used to sit in my Romford office with mugs of tea, talking about what it would be like to win the World Championship. Sometimes tears would be rolling down our cheeks at the thought of two boys from council houses conquering the world. By 1981, Steve had established himself as the dominant force in the game. In fact, I remember one of his opponents checked out of his hotel on the morning of his match against Steve in that season's UK Championships, knowing he would lose. He was right. Steve went on to win the 1980 Championships, his first major trophy. When it came to the big one, the World Championships, Steve beat three of the game's finest, Jimmy White, Alex Higgins and Terry Griffiths, on his way to the semi-final, where he met Cliff Thorburn, the grinder. After two sessions, Steve trailed eight frames to six. As we walked back to our hotel, we passed a fountain and I told Steve that if he could get ahead of Thorburn in the evening session, I would jump in that fountain. I was wearing expensive shoes, crocodile skin, and needless to say, they got ruined. Now in the final, he was calmly potting his way to the title. I was anything but calm, and it didn't help that I could only sit and watch and tell myself, don't do anything stupid. The pink was frame ball, match ball, and championship ball. Steve took a deep breath, wasted no time and stroked it home. He stood there, closed his eyes and seemed to say a silent prayer before turning to shake hands with Mountjoy. Typical Steve, understated. I don't know how I got there, but within seconds I was down on the auditorium floor, racing across to give Steve a hug, more like a rugby tackle. Later on, Steve said he was just letting it all sink in when he saw me charging towards him, fists and teeth clenched hitting him like a tank. That scene gets played on TV, part of my embarrassing past, but I'm not really embarrassed. If you don't feel passion, don't get emotional, then there's no point to sport. It was the fulfilment of our dream, but just the beginning. I knew that the world title would change our lives, bring opportunities almost beyond imagination, but I didn't know the half of it. As a player, Steve would go on to dominate snooker in the 1980s, the boom years. As a businessman and an impresario, I helped to create and shamelessly exploit that boom. 
I moved on, promoting boxing, pool, temping, bowling, darts, fishing, netball, golf, poker, gymnastics, you name it. I bought the football club I supported as a boy and ever after, Lake Norian. I built a global TV sporting company and guided many of the greats, from Chris Eubank and Anthony Joshua to Ronnie O'Sullivan and Phil Taylor. In business terms, I grew up and became responsible. In sporting terms, I never lost the thrill, the adrenaline, the exhilaration I felt when Steve potted that pink and I just lost it. Now and again, I still do. I'm Barry Hearn. This is my story.